Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Ribbon. This podcast is brought to you by Pete's Car Smart Kia. These guys are not here just to sell you a car, but they believe in building relationships with their customers and the community. Visit their website at petescarsmartkia.com and be sure to follow them on their social media platforms as well. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Ribbon. My name is Ryan Parnell, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and oncology nurse, Pam McMillan. Hey, Ryan. How are you today? I'm great, Pam. How are you? I'm good. Hey, think back to your college days, your school days. Did you ever get um, um, nervous, anxious when you took those tests? Always. (laughs) I still do today. Still do today. (laughs) You know, some of us have that anxiety around test taking, but I think it's um, more um, profound with our survivors. And I think, you know, anytime they get scheduled for any type of scan, um, going into that scan, they may have some feelings, emotions. Yeah. You know, and it actually started, and I know many of our listeners are well aware of this term that has been created in and around that called scanxiety. And mm-hmm. uh, I think it's incredibly uh, real and it's incredibly powerful. And uh, it's something that needs to be dealt with. And I think that uh, our guest today uh, is gonna share with us some information on that. I'm really excited about our guest today, Pam. I hope you are as well. I am. Yeah, so joining us today is Lydia Shapira. And she is from Stanford University Medical Center. And uh, we are thrilled to have her today. Dr. Shapira, how are you? I'm great. Thank you so much, Pam and Ryan, for the invitation. I'm excited to uh, join the conversation. Great. You know, um, tell us about yourself. Tell us, tell our listeners kind of what you do there at Stanford. I know um, it, when we were looking for someone to speak on Scanxiety, we had, we came across a couple of things that you'd done, but you're very, very involved. And that's, that's an understatement there in Stanford. So share with our listeners, if you would, kind of some of the things that you do there. Glad to do that. I'm a medical oncologist. So I'm part of the group that uh, takes care of women with breast cancer. So I'm that's my, uh, my clinical identity. Um, I also direct a program for cancer survivors. So we're really interested in doing research to learn more about their needs and how best to meet those needs, and also to create some clinical services to support them and their loved ones. Uh, because we know that uh, cancer can stay with a person and their family for a very long time. There are many people who live with cancer as a chronic illness, and for those who are past treatment, um, even then, some of the ghosts of cancer treatments or cancer trauma stay with them for a long time. So there's a lot we all need to do. So let's first talk about um, skin anxiety. Um, can you just give us a definition so some of our listeners know what that is? <laughs> yes. Um, you know, for, for a long time, we didn't have a word, but we all knew that people just felt anxious, just like you mentioned in the introduction, that we're anxious when we have any sort of test where we need to perform. But in this particular case, you can't study for this, um, you know, and uh, yet in many ways, the report uh, that you get from that scan really may significantly shape your future. 
And I think it's all of that, the fact that you are mentally trying to prepare, but there's not a whole lot else you can do for it. And that you know that there's so much hanging in the balance of you know what that report is going to show that understandably creates a state of what we call anxiety. Anxiety is sort of a clinical diagnosis, but I would say it's completely normal to be nervous. And so a creative patient or advocate put the two things together some time ago and created the term anxiety, which has stuck with our community of survivors and professionals and patients because it really um, tells it the way it is. Anytime that you have a medical test or a scan could also affect your blood work or things that perhaps don't just mean imaging studies, but anytime somebody is going to take some assessment and give us some data about the state of the disease or how helpful the treatment has been or whether it even helped at all, that triggers these feelings of anxiety. And they could be experiences, physical symptoms. I mean, you can feel your heart racing, your palms are sweaty, you may be irritable, you may lose sleep for nights before the test, you may uh, be irritable with your family and then regret it. (laughs) So I think that uh, it really is an important uh, condition that uh, um, is experienced by so many people. We've tried also to make our colleagues in primary care more aware of this because they'll often see patients after cancer treatment and they need to understand when they even schedule any tests that they may trigger some of these anxiety feelings and need to be supportive of the patients. The unique thing about cancer survivors and those listening are going to go, oh yeah, uh, this is not a, sh- a relevant uh, uh, a revelation to them. But the unique thing is, you know, if I go and I have my blood work done, or I go and I have an X-ray or something like that, it's kind of that one-off test, right? And maybe I'm a little concerned about it, but not so greatly concerned. And then it's kind of like, oh yeah, the doctor called and, you know, it's kind of, it just happens. But for our cancer survivors who have tons and tons of regularly scheduled tests during treatment, and then of course your after treatment checkups and tests and scans, it is a regular occurrence. And I cannot imagine every time you have a scan feeling the weight of the upcoming scan and then the weight of waiting for the scan afterwards for the results repeatedly. It has to just wear on them. So I hear this a lot from my patients who are breast cancer survivors um, for whom just getting a routine mammogram is not experienced as any routine at all. They often, you know, it often may trigger some of the emotions or the trauma of having been diagnosed. So I think you're absolutely spot on, Ryan, with that comment that it keeps on giving. So it's not just the scans during treatment, but sometimes that anxiety may continue even many years after when you were well and everybody thinks you're completely normal and you know what's going on with you. And yet you're feeling all of these things when you when it's time for that annual test. Pam, this makes me think back to our uh, one of our early episodes uh, with our um, counselor, Liz Clark, talking about post-traumatic stress disorders. Mm-hmm. And I, it, this is one of those triggers. It has to be one of those triggers, right? I would think so. Yeah. Yes. 
so with the time frame of the anxiety, is it typical the day of, to a week before, week after the scan, before the results? What's the, the typical time frame? That's a great question too, and it's very variable. Um, I, in my experience, since this isn't a syndrome where we can say, oh, you know, three days of fevers and chills, <laughs> this is something that's totally subjective and can change over time, even for the same individual. But it, I've had many patients share with me that it starts days prior to the test. Um, and uh, it could be, you know, several days or perhaps a week, you know, for some, it's just a day off, but uh, it's hard to know. This is one of those things where I think you need to ask somebody especially if you see or they're conveying to you that they're, that they're distressed, right? Right. Um, you know, are you nervous? You know, what can I do to help you? You know, and, and as a doctor, I think my uh, role in this is to be aware when somebody shares this with me mm-hmm. and uh, then try to think through with that individual what they can do to make it easier and what I can do to make it easier. And one very... Um, important point that was made to me very early on in my career was that waiting for the results added to that anxiety. And so I often, um, you know, scheduled a visit with that particular person for the day after. So it gave me time to view the scans and discuss them with a radiologist and and be prepared uh, for the information and with uh, my patients who have mammograms to try to advocate for them to get results as soon as possible. I know whenever I was a primary nurse at a physician's here in Amarillo, I always tried my very best not to schedule it also on a Friday because that was not very nice for them to wait the whole weekend. I mean, what torture is that? I know. And this is unintentional, right? Right. Because some people say, well, it's easier for me to do the test on a Friday because that's a day that I leave work early or I had childcare or whatever. But then you're stuck with the, you know, you know, waiting for those results. I remember again in my career unintentionally when I just write an order for a test and then it gets scheduled and it's just before I go on a vacation. And then, you know. Um, I I didn't know it was scheduled for that day. I didn't intentionally cause my patient to wait. I want to be the one discussing the results, but you can see (laughs) that it's a no-win situation. So I think that this is the kind of thing where everybody needs to collaborate. I think that we need to, when we schedule tests that are are sort of high impact or for people for whom this is high emotional impact, we need to sort of have a plan for how the results are going to be conveyed and when, um, so that uh, perhaps by making all of these steps more intentional and explicit, we can give the person more control over the situation and having that control, at least having a, a plan may in some way lessen that anxiety. With electronical medical records, do you see an increase of anxiety because maybe the patients get their results before they see the doctor? And then they they read it and they're reading the worst case scenario. That's such an important and loaded topic. We could probably talk for hours or have a panel. I really worry about what's happening right now with instant access to test results. Um, And it's not that I'm 
paternalistic and, you know, I want to be the one and I, you know, I don't, I don't have any fantasies that I can protect everybody, but there are, there are reports that, that are going to trigger feelings of anxiety where things are not all right. And I think it, in a way, it makes me feel I'm abandoning my patient if they're the ones who just read it off a screen without the ability to have somebody interpret it for them, to guide them, and to explain next steps, sort of, and, and do this collaboratively. So I am one of those, you know, old-fashioned uh, physicians who still feels there needs to be a bit of a filter between the result and having the patient access that result. And it's really, uh, you know, um, my idea that, you know, it's, um, or my experience that people need to do this in, in collaboration with a clinician who's part of their team. Right. That's we live in a world where we want the answers right away. And sometimes whenever we go out there and look and read them, they might be reading the scan wrong. I have physician colleagues and nurse colleagues who have described what it was like for them to read their own scan results. Um, and uh, when they were not expecting anything, one example that comes to mind is a colleague of mine who is an internist at uh, um, in the hospital where we both worked in Boston. And her husband was having an MRI of the shoulder thinking it was a sports injury. And she just logged on and looked at the report. And it said, you know, metastatic cancer in all of the bones, completely like that. And it was, you know, um, it, I, I think there needs to be a level of, um, sort of protection between the results when the results are so abnormal, even if the person receiving them is medically savvy, it doesn't matter. In that moment, everybody is mush. And what we need is somebody to help guide us through this. Right. The medical record thing you just brought up, Pam, that's something I never even thought of because I mean, like if I go in and I check the medical record and see my lab work, oh, my cholesterol's fine. And, and, and again, I'm, I'm the outlier, right? I'm, I'm, not, the, I'm not in a, uh, a critical life-altering you know, diagnosis. And it's something I didn't even think about because I just look at it and you go, oh, great. And then the doctor calls or the nurse calls and says, hey, your lab results are in. They're all great. Just keep doing what you're doing. I go, oh, yeah, I saw it on my, uh, my portal. I cannot imagine opening up the portal and, and reading something as an abnormal lab or a, a, you know, a x-ray or scan and reading that or misinterpreting something that maybe you as a physician, Dr. Shapira was expecting like, okay, just because this is elevated doesn't mean, but yet I read it and I freak out. So, so I think the answer to that is what we have built in in most places, but some are giving up and that's what I'm concerned about. So I read them first and then I release them to you. It means that by the time you get to see them, I've seen them. So I am prepared for you to see them. And if I'm seeing something that I think would shock you, then I won't release them to you until I have made contact with you. Awesome. And I think that's safer for everybody. But many institutions are now sort of unlocking it. So the moment that they're, that it's resulted, it's available to all. And that's where I think we're going to see a downstream effect. Wow. Yes. Well, let's let's kind of shift gears if we can. And we've we've kind of touched on a little bit of this, but 
how do we combat this or how do, how do we, as, as maybe our listeners, how do they avoid it? I mean, is there any way to kind of deal with it better? Now, I, let me start with a second part. I don't know that there is a way to avoid it, but there is a way to calm and self-soothe. And there's a way to perhaps go into a state more through some, you know, mindfulness uh, interventions or tricks to sort of accept what is and have, um, have support. So take some control over it, uh, plan what that day is gonna be like. Um, I used to you know, ask patients to sort of think about when in the day would it be better for them to have the test? They have some control over the scheduling. Is this something you just wanna get up in the morning and get it over with? And then maybe you know, treat yourself to something good that day. Ask a friend to go with you, go out to lunch, go for a walk if you can. Is it something you wanna leave for the end of the day and then just go home? And are you the kind of person who, you know, is going to unwind sitting in the bathtub reading a, a, a magazine or do you want to go kick out a ball? <laughs> uh, you know, so it's the idea of taking control over the parts of this that you can have control over, getting some support, not going alone. If you know that you are going to be terribly anxious, asking somebody to go with you and sharing with them why you want to be with them. and then. Um, during, you know, while you're waiting, maybe um, listening to uh, music that is uh, soothing for you or that you love, or a meditation tape, if that's helpful to you, someplace where you can find your own little piece of quiet and repose and, you know, soothe some of those feelings of anxiety. It may not be the best time to have a double as espresso and read the morning news, which is just going to tell you how bad things are someplace in the world that you care about. Yeah. So these are the kinds of things, you know, taking control over some of these things, thinking about, you know, it's almost like preparing for, for labor or, or for training for a race. You know, how are you going to pace yourself through that day, through the test? If you're somebody who experiences pain or discomfort during the test, Share it with the radiology technician. Tell them that it's been uncomfortable or that you're claustrophobic before entering the machine. So try to be as calm and as you can and ask for help and support. And then that's to get you through the test. And then the time between having the test and getting the results, again, try to figure out how you can shorten that time if it's difficult for you plan with your medical team how and who and where you're going to learn the results. Um, if you are worried about the result, have somebody in your uh, circle of supporters who's on standby for you. So they know and they may be on the phone with you or on a screen or physically present to support you. So I think those are the kinds of things, trying to find calm, staying steady and then accept what you can't change and then have a plan for um, moving forward. You know, sometimes whenever a patient gets um, the diagnosis of cancer, they have no control, but they can have some control over these scans. And I think that's so important. And then also being self-aware of what triggers their anxiety. So having those outlets. Right, yeah. One of the things too, Pam, that's important too to bring into this conversation is these same types of things for your spouse, your caregiver, 
that's going to be right there with you. Uh, I, you know, I know listening to our, our folks and talking with them and they're of course going through it as well and waiting on a, on a result and they're anxious. The, the caregiver and spouse is, is equally as anxious. And one thing too, I might, I might throw out as a, a deal is sometimes we have some of these at the survivorship center, Pam, you know, we have these creative um, distractions, you know, right. that, that uh, are sometimes you know, it seems like, wow, that's a really interesting, fun activity, but it's a creative distraction to take your mind off of maybe that, you know, what's going on, whatever that situational uh, situation is that's going on is those distractions. I mean, what better way to go get your skin and then come and get a massage after? I mean, that would be <laughs> relaxing in my books. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly right. You know, go for a walk, those kinds of things. One of the things that I think that Dr. Shapiro, you mentioned, and I know Pam, you mentioned as well is you know, patients being aware of scheduling, you know, and, and they never really feel like they have a whole lot of control naturally because everything is scheduled from the moment they're diagnosed all the way through the end of their treatment. But this is a time you guys that are listening to be able to say, you know what, that that day actually isn't going to work for me. I think, or that time isn't really going to work for me. That was something Dr. Shapiro, you said was giving them back a little bit of freedom um, and scan and, and set that scan or set that appointment for a time when you know your family, you know, if you need help, if someone's there to take care of the kids or you, the dogs or whatever the case may be. Uh, so you'd have all these, these, these things taken care of, but you also have better control over that. And I think oftentimes the medical oncologist writes the order for the scan, but they have no control over the timing of the scan or what day they want it. So that's where the patient can really take charge and, and let them know, no, that won't work. That's right. That's right. Uh, Dr. Shapiro, is there anything else that, that our listeners should be aware of or, you know, any other tips or tricks or anything like that? So uh, you, I think something you said um, I, I found resonated with me and that was the self-awareness piece um, to, to know what works for the individual, you know, um, to, you know, are, am I the kind of person who does better doing this alone Am I the kind of person who needs company? You know, um, if I know that I'm calmed, and this is me now speaking, by watching tennis, maybe I can just have, you know, a tennis match on my iPad as, wow. I'm, as I'm sitting in the waiting room, you know, uh, disrobed, um, waiting for somebody to, to do a scan that, uh, that, it, that I know is going to make me feel very anxious. So this self-awareness piece, um, and then, um, the ability to actually uh, say what you need and and uh, try to negotiate from there on, whether it's the time of day for the scan, who's going to take care of the kids, or when your doctor or nurse practitioner is going to tell you the results. Just just say, look, you know, I, I'm so grateful when my patients tell, tell me, this makes me very anxious. Can you help me by doing this? And when they tell me what this is, then I can pop into that role and be there for them. Or even as something as simple as, you know, the contrast that some have to drink, maybe that flavor just doesn't work for them. They can say no. <laughs> they want a different flavor. So is, simple things. Pam, is there actually a flavor? Because I've had several of those. Is there actually a flavor that is works for better than the other? I don't know. <laughs> I think uh, each to their own. Yeah. I, I remember when I was going through my ordeal where they thought that I had lymphoma and 
uh, the technician told me these tend to taste better if it's cold. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know that that makes it <laughs> any better. The mindset maybe. <laughs> but you know, it's nice to think that the technician is trying to be kind to you. So yeah. I would I would take the intention and say but the intention is soothing too, you know? And I did, I, I got them cold. I said, the lady told me these would be better cold and I did and I made sure to tell her, I I took your advice, but I'm not so sure it made it incrementally better. <laughs> oh. Another thing, just a simple warm blanket while you're getting your CT scan, comforting things. Yes, absolutely. This is one of those till, you know, Pam, we, we tend, I feel like sometimes we're broken records, but um, it validates our previous episodes where we say, you are your best advocate. You right. need to speak up. You need to ask. You're in charge. Even though you may not feel in charge, you can be in charge of certain areas, just like that. I'd rather do it on a Tuesday. I'd rather not do it on a Thursday in the off chance that it doesn't come back tomorrow and I have to wait, you know, two more days. I'd rather have this or I'd rather have that. Can I have my my iPod, you know, my, uh, gosh, that's, that's dating me for sure. And I just, <laughs> can I have my iPhone or can I have my iPad? Can I do these things? You know, ask those questions. Um, in the world of fundraising, we say, if you don't ask, you certainly don't get. And that holds very true. I would say in this particular area for patients, if you don't ask, you're not going to get necessarily. And you need to ask those questions and be your own advocate. Right, Dr. Shapiro? Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I know. You know, uh, Pam, this is one of those ones that um, I think every single person that listens to our, this podcast will get something out of this. Yes. Yes. And you know, this brings us to our last segment and that is called Pete's Powerful Moment. We are sponsored by Pete's CarSmart Kia. We would love for you to share a powerful moment and around scan anxiety with our listeners. I think the um, most powerful moments are, and there's not just one in my career, but so many moments where I've felt the vulnerability of my patient, where they've really opened up and told me that they were scared or afraid. And, you know, it makes a big impact on me. Um, And my uh, response is to say, you know, we need to support each other. You know, this person's sharing their vulnerability, maybe me tomorrow. Um, we all need to support each other. And so I think these are very uh, tender moments for people when uh, they're, they're expressing fears, anxieties, or distress. So um, I think my, my, my uh, moment is to say that I recognize the humanity in all of us and our vulnerabilities. And when they're exposed, you know, it's, it's so powerful to be able to react with or respond with compassion and just try to help. Absolutely. Pam, I was thinking as Dr. Shapiro was talking about there, um, some of the things that we offer here at the center, which of course is entirely free of charge um, for all of our listeners and their their loved ones that would play this role, could could play a role in in helping them through the anxiousness and anxiety of things that they have. Uh, One of which, of course, is our support group um, with the traditional support group model where you know, you can share with the support group, hey, next week I've got a test. I'd appreciate if you guys would just, you know, help me out in this area or help or pray for me or whatever the case may be, whatever your needs are. But then also the fourth angel program that we have, Pam, uh, for mentorship, where um, the fourth angel program was started by um, 
Scott Hamilton, the, the professional ice skater, um, and felt like his mentor was his fourth angel. And along with his physician, his nurse and his family. And so, um, they, you know, they match you up with as close of a diagnosis and stage and life stage and age of a, of a cancer survivor um, that you are. And then it's somewhere across the United States. It's, it's done via text. It's done via email or phone call. And they are able to help mentor you along the way. And that's another great person to reach out to and lean on um, that you never have the opportunity to run into at the grocery store and feel awkward about maybe the conversations that you've had. It's very, very um, uh, private and it's very it's it's a wonderful organization. So those are just two, not to mention, you know, as Pam, you mentioned about massage or some of the resources we have on our, our YouTube channel and our website of uh, a mindfulness class or yoga or Tai Chi to kind of get you in the in the mindset of calming and anti-stress. So those are just a few things, Pam, that I think our folks could definitely benefit from. And the great thing is it's free, not another worry for them. That's right. That's right. 100%. If you have questions about the Cancer Survivorship Center, uh, be sure and give us a call at 806-331-2400. And then Pam, we need them to share this podcast. This is not something that is um, a nugget that we want to keep ourselves. We want this word to get out and, 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 and pass it on. It may seem very simplistic and very easy, but oh my gosh, it can mean the world to someone who's going through a difficult time. And it's not only just for cancer survivors. This is something that I think is important for, uh, us in general, um, to not get worried around, around tests and anxious around scans and so forth that we have. Dr. Shapira, thank you for joining us today. We certainly appreciate you uh, sharing with our listeners your expertise and your knowledge centered around the anxiousness and anxiety. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Good deal. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Again, be sure to like the podcast, share the podcast, subscribe to our podcast, and join us next week for another episode of Beyond the Ribbon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Beyond the Ribbon. Make sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and follow us on social media for news and updates. If you'd like more information about the 24 Hours in the Canyon Cancer Survivorship Center, please visit our website, 24survivorship.org. Thanks again, and we'll be back next week.